and welcome back to Did You See? It is a podcast where each week two friends, myself, Dan, and himself, Max, get together and ask and answer the question that friends have been asking and answering since the dawn of stuff to talk about. Hey, did you see? But before I ask Max that question this week, I would like to shout out two people who I have learned in the last couple of days are listeners to this podcast. So Ken and Sarah, shout out to you guys. Thank you very much for the support. Thanks. We appreciate it. Keep on listening. So, Max, did you see that Taika Waititi's Akira remake is apparently actually happening? I did, and it's slated for, what, 2021? May 21st, 2021, so that is two years from, like, the other day. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, cool, I guess. I mean, I think that this is kind of a leap for him from what we've seen so far. Yes. I mean, I love I love what we do in the shadows, and I didn't hate Thor Ragnarok, which is pretty high praise for a Marvel movie from me. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to see him tackle Akira. I think he definitely can get the the feel of the gang and everything. I just think the the dark and crazy that Akira takes on. I mean, it gets to be a very heavy story. I'm well, so to see if he can handle it. Did you did you just see this, or did you read any of the articles surrounding it? I did not read any of the articles. I just saw that the date was announced. The quote from him directly, uh, I'm pretty happy with. Uh, and it discusses that his mother took him to see Akira in the cinema in 1989 when nice. it was released in New Zealand. And he considers it a huge turning point in his life as a creative. Awesome. And like for having a new understanding of animation. And additionally, that caused him to go out and read the books and he doesn't want to remake the movie. He wants to do a broader adaptation of the books. Interesting. So that actually has me more excited than if he was doing a remake. Yeah. Because apparently, and I've never read any of the manga, apparently the movie leaves out a lot. Mm-hmm. And, yep. like, a lot, a lot. And so having access to that much more of that would be pretty cool especially from someone who's uh whose filmmaking style i like very much yeah absolutely so i don't know i mean there's not a lot of information out there plus dude is busy he's still working on what we do in the shadows he's got uh that jojo rabbit movie coming out that i don't know anything about but just saw that he's making and he's doing at least one episode of the mandalorian if not more that makes uh makes i mean you gotta make it a money yeah, sure, you gotta make the money, because credit's no good when the job was from the shop in your neighborhood. But, mm-hmm. speaking of the Mandalorian, but, like, all, like, the Mandalorian doesn't, hasn't started shooting yet. Right. Like, and if you're gonna do Akira, especially because he mentions a lot in the io9 uh, interview from a couple years ago, how much the animation was important to him, that makes me wonder if he's going to be doing this in an animation style. Dude's gotta get to work. Yeah, I mean, luckily he can really sit down with a lot of his, you know, his department heads and really go over and kind of explain his his ideas. And obviously to, to pitch the movie, he had to have some kind of either a lookbook or some kind of ripomatic or something to give an idea of what he was looking for. Some towards. kind of Bible. Yeah, so I think the department heads... If, he, if he's if they're working and he's putting that on them, he's got some lead time to do other things. It's true. Directing an animated feature does take a different kind of approach than directing a live action feature. Right. So maybe um, I just it just concerns me when creators have so much announced on the table or so much actually on the table, like 
this movie's coming out, The Mandalorian's coming out, What We Do in the Shadows is currently out. Like, Mans has got a lot on his plate, and... Absolutely. That always makes me a little concerned, just because it's like, I trust you, but... Yeah, I mean, luckily for The Mandalorian, TV's pretty quick to work, especially because he's not sure running it. Yeah, he's just so, doing an episode so far announced, yeah. so... Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one, and it's definitely not something I'm like he's gonna suck, but it just this. I really like Akira. Yeah, for sure. And I want it to be good. I think it will be. Yeah, I mean, I haven't disliked anything of his I've seen yet, so. Yeah. That says a lot. Absolutely. That says a lot. So speaking of things that we like, Dan, did you see? that the nominees for Spiel de Ara have been announced. Uh, no, I actually didn't. So uh, Spiel de Ara, quick aside, for those of you who don't know, is German for Game of the Year. It is. And so Essen, which is the uh, largest tabletop gaming convention outside of the United States, and maybe the largest one in the world, I don't actually know, uh, plays host every year to the Spiel de Ara. Yeah, and uh, next week... But well, I guess the next before the next episode of uh, Did You See comes out will be National Tabletop Day or International Tabletop Day. Um, I Inter- think it's National. International Tabletop Day. Yeah, yeah. And so I felt like this was a good announcement, especially right on the uh, right on the heels of all that happening. So some good board gaming stuff coming out. Uh, the three nominees for Game of the Year proper. Uh, it's called Just One, which is a word-based game. Oh, that's cool. Um, L-A-M-A, which is Llama, which is more of a uh, a card-based, card like looks like a card resource kind of management game, where you're trying to utilize your cards every turn and quickly dump, dump cards, get more cards, that kind of thing. And the last one is my favorite title, Werewords, hmm. which is another word-based game. And that makes general... so, so I'm I'm looking at these three games really quick. Um, Ted Alspach, who did Werewords, also did um, Castles of Mad King Ludwig, Ultimate One Night or, or One Night Ultimate Werewolf, and Ultimate Werewolf. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, he and his wife run uh, Bazier Games. Okay, Castles is great. I love Castles. And then uh, LAMA is a Rainer Knizia game. Who we love. Yeah, who, who we are a big, big, a big, big fans of. Um, so that's cool. And I don't know Ludovic Rowdy or Bruno Sauter from Just One. But nope. I trust Repost Production. I've played several games they've put out, uh, they've published. So, you know, good on. They were the cats what did um, uh, Seven Wonders. And if you're not familiar with uh spiel they are generally the cat the the game of the year games tend to be more family friendly titles not so much aimed at children but just ones that you could sit down on like a family game night and play without any kind of real tough rules understanding but more they more value elegance and good foundation 2016 uh vladimir shvadel one with code names which is a big one for that um camel up one in 2014 Yep. Um so Kingdom Camel Builder great. Kingdom Builder one in twenty twelve. These are all games that are uh that are complicated and difficult, but are playable by uh numbers of people who don't necessarily have like the 
thousand hours of tabletop gaming behind them that we do. Right, and there's also a category, uh, Kennerspiel, which is for uh, what they consider expert games. Uh, so which I, games, I believe, directly translates to like connoisseur or something. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so there are three games in that category: are Carpe Diem, I've not heard Detective, of. which I've not heard of, and Wingspan. Uh, Detective is what's called a a modern crime board game where you're trying to solve multiple cases that are all interlinked and figure out the links and stuff, which seems interesting. It's currently the highest rated of all the games uh, on BoardGameGeek. Carpe Diem, you are... Detective uh, looks a lot like one of those games we demoed at PAX. It does. That crime game we demoed? Yeah. Carpe Diem's more of a resource management style game. No surprise there. They love that kind of thing at uh, Spieliara. And Wingspan is a game where you are trying to also collect different resources. No, and I've you're heard like, about that game. Shit, I have. Okay, yeah. Um, you're like bird bird watchers and enthusiasts. Yes, and apparently it's astounding, and it is like biologically accurate. Like, yep. Like ornithologists all over the world were like, "Oh shit, okay." And the game sold out immediately. Um, the dudes at Team Covenant had a big thing about it. Yeah. It's apparently quite the. It's the of the of the nine games I was going to talk about. It's the easily the most covered, and also like you can't get a copy for under a hundred bucks, even though the MSRP is fifty five. It's very sold out. Yeah. Um. There's a third category that is aimed towards children, which is obviously Kinderspiel. Kinderspiel Diara. <laughs> and um, those games are Go Gecko Go. Um. This game is called uh, Fabulantica, which is like a, it's a memory based game. Mm -hmm. And my favorite, um, I will, (laughs) I'll skip saying the, uh, the actual name, but it's called Valley of the Vikings. Tal der Vikinger. Yeah. And uh, the game is based around a barrel bowling contest that the Vikings have. (laughs) <laughs> I'm looking at the board. This looks like uh, hungry, hungry hippos almost. Yeah, it's it's it looks like a treat of the. If I were a kid and I were like interested in playing this game, this mm-hmm. is probably the one. On one of these three games, I'd probably snag this one. Did I want to buy this game? Yeah, it looks like a treat. I so, wonder if I mean, it, has it been released in English? I haven't seen anything to indicate it has yet. Hmm. But I mean, I love that they uh, they break out the categories now a little bit more. Uh, there's more refined versions of it. Yeah, Obviously, Game of the Year still being the most prestigious, but I like that they are also looking at games for gamers and also games for children. Yeah, so prior to 2011, it was just Spieliara, and then yep. in 2011, they added uh, Kenner Spieliara, which Seven Wonders won that year, no surprise. Mm. And um, notably, Forbidden Island didn't win uh, Game of the Year that year. Quirkle won. Um, mm. And then in 2012, they added Kinderspiel Diara. Yep. So they've really made, considering that uh, 1979 was the first time that they awarded the Spiel Diara to Hare and Tortoise, which is still a popular game among gamers. Absolutely. Um, it's cool that they're still going. And, like, it's an independent organization. Is that true? Yes. Spiel Diara oh. is their own thing. That's awesome. Yeah, they're an independent organization that annually, you know, is like, hey, we're going to give strategy board games uh, a bit of a run. One of the things you will also notice is very few uh, American-style board games get put in here. 
Yes, Ameritrash, as the board gaming community calls them. I was trying to avoid that, because I hate I'm that just, term. I'm just, that is what they're called. There's Euro-style games, and then there's what is largely, I mean, that's their name. They right? refer it's, to it as Ameritrash. I would, again, prefer to refer to it as uh, American-style American style board games, which... If you don't know the difference, if you're interested in tabletop gaming, uh, well, reach out to us and we can talk about it. But uh, real quickly, European style board games focus a lot more heavily on non-random factors and strategy. And American <laughs> style board games often introduce larger amounts of randomization within their strategy or at right. the expense of their strategy sometimes. Right. Think Monopoly. Yes, exactly. Think games like Monopoly versus... Games like Settlers of Catan, which does have a small random factor, but most of Settlers of Catan is down to your decision-making. Correct. So, uh, shouts out Klaus Tuber for creating Settlers of Catan. Seriously. <laughs> he was a dentist. That's wild. Yeah, and he's like, it. by the way, he also didn't retire from dentistry until a decade after Settlers came out. Mmm. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I guess I should do this thing full-time now. Yeah, probably a good idea. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's fantastic. And by the way, uh, Essen Game Fair, often uh, well, often called the Essen Game Fair, known as uh, International Spieltag Spiel, German uh, being the German word for uh, game, is actually a trade fair. And in 2018, the attendance was 190,000 people. That's a few. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just a little. That's a few. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, San Diego Comic-Con's attendance is approximately that large annually now. Yep, that's what I was thinking. Uh, so, and actually, at its peak year, which was 2015, Comic-Con was 167,000. And the last two, two of the last three years, we don't have uh, data for the third year, uh, it actually went down. That, so, I believe. Spiel is the largest nerd event in the world, and like San Diego, it started as a trade show. That's cool. Yeah, it is. Uh, so, Rad, gaming is great, Tabletop Game uh, Day is this upcoming weekend, so if you feel like playing some tabletop games on Saturday, that is June 1st, uh, you know you'll be doing it with a bunch of people around the world. That's right. Including, we'll probably play something. Maybe not Nerdy live, together. we do often play tabletop games, so... Yeah. Nerdy together. Indeed. So, moving right along from that, Max, did you see that apparently... There is going to be a Star Wars movie, or possibly series of movies, based on the Knights of the Old Republic video games. No, but I'm sure Jared has. <laughs> I imagine he probably has. Did you ever play KOTOR? Yeah. Okay. I uh, didn't much. Like, um, not really my cup of tea at that point. I don't Fair. know why I never got into the video game expanded universe. I was much more of a novels and comic books expanded universe guy. Sure. Um, but yes, apparently, uh, Leta Caligridis, who wrote uh, Avatar and Shutter Island, in addition to um, uh, being a, sh well, exec prod on Birds of Prey and the Bionic Woman reboot, and um, founder of Hollywood United, the pro-union website, and was also one of the uh, peacekeepers and, and uh, one of the people who brokered the peace in the 2007 and 8 writer strike. So, nice. you know, she's got some, she's got some clout. Yeah, a little bit of cred. Uh, is apparently uh, already writing a script for uh, the fir basically the first pass for a potential trilogy. Cool. So they've brought her in to do that, uh, which makes her the first female writer of any Star Wars uh, theatrical product 
since Lee Brackett got the co-writing credit with Lawrence Kasdan on Empire. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so hmm. the um the thing that has people somewhat confused is that we it's already been announced that Benioff and Weiss from Game of Thrones yeah. have the next trilogy. Or well, at least yeah, it's at least one movie announced, and they've said it's a trilogy that will come out pre Christ quote directly pre Christmas weekend every other year starting in twenty twenty two, so that's twenty two, twenty four, twenty six, right? Which leads unless this movie is coming out in the off years or these movies come out in the off years, which they might, it could be seven or more years before this stuff sees the light of day. It feels like this is going to be the off off year movie, especially with the announcement now. Mm-hmm. Plenty of time to get that going. I think that that definitely would be, and I think it'll pair well depending on what timelines they uh, Benioff and Weiss are handling. It'd be cool to see that. I mean, I'm excited because, like, as as far as like all the people who have said in the last couple of weeks, months, year, whatever, that Solo killed Star Wars' ability to do anything other than main saga movies. Um. Really, what Solo did, what we'll see in lasting effect of Solo, is that it's going to need, every project is going to need to be paid a little bit closer attention. I, I mean, just, yeah, and, and I think they need to not be as, I mean, like, this was a, Solo's really on the nose, right? Like, we're really going for a thing. Where you can tell these off, I mean, this is what I was, I mean, God how long ago we talked about this on poor man's process a bajillion years, years ago? ago six years ago now yeah i was talking about how excited i was for the prospect of i don't give a shit about any of the main storyline stuff from star wars let me let's this is a whole world this whole universe is a whole everything there's so much to tell like let's get telling some cool stories we haven't heard about before get on that i'm yeah. stoked and, like, so the simple fact that if we continue to get a Star Wars movie every year for the rest of time, mm -hmm. and we continue to get things like The Mandalorian, which, let's not forget, is being showrun by Jon Favreau. Correct. But buy uh, all the cheeseburgers you want. <laughs> and we'll get, we're getting the Cassian Andor Rogue One prequel series on Disney Plus as well. Mm -hmm. um, like, we're, they're, they are, they are doing the thing that, for you know 20 years almost they only did in novel form right right like from from the release of the grand admiral thrawn trilogy in 19 i want to say 90 um they did nothing but release that stuff as a book nice uh, heir to the empire was 1991 okay I knew it was something like that because in 1998, when I read it, it was already seven years old or several years old. Right. So, um, also shout outs. I know they put all of the old, uh, books into a vault and said, it's not real canon, but please give me an heir to the empire, dark force rising and last command movie trilogy. I can die. Happy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so Dan, I got some news, but I want to do it a little bit in a non-standard way. Okay. All right, so what if I told you about a movie that was a revenge movie? Are you interested? Uh, yes. Okay, well, what if I told you the main character was a 21-year-old Irish female convict and the movie was set in Tans or sorry, Tasmania in 1825? Uh, that sounds amazing. 
Okay, what if I told you that she has a Aboriginal male tracker help her take revenge on a brutal or a group of soldiers who murdered her family? Well, you know what that sounds like, Max. What does that sound like? That sounds like representation in cinema, and you know I'm all for that. Okay, now what if I told you that this movie is directed by Jennifer Kent, who directed The Babadook? Holy shit. Yeah, and I would tell you that you should see the trailer for the film The Nightingale. Holy shit. Yeah, it is all of those things. The trailer is two thumbs up. It's really interesting and very gripping. It looks pretty brutal. The performances look awesome. I recognize basically no one in this film. Super excited to check it out. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Looks way, way good. It did, I don't know. That's the best way air, I can think to it, sell it. It did air in competition at uh, Venice uh, last year, the Venice International Film Festival, um, mm -hmm. as that was its debut, and it um, didn't win. Because Roma won, mm -hmm. uh, which you know, Alfonso. How do you Cuaron. beat that? Yeah, how do yeah. you beat Alfonso Cuaron? And you know, I don't want to. I don't want to stir shit. But the uh, the president of the jury at Venice '75 was Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, who is a notable supporter of Alfonso Cuaron. Yes. Uh, also on that. Uh, also on that panel, relevant to this podcast, was Taika Waititi. Yeah. So. Uh, no, but that sounds absolutely amazing, especially because that is the fourth feature-length film she has ever directed. No, yes. sorry, third. Yeah, it's not many. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, second. Because it's the, she did, the short. Well, she did the short Duke Stole Christmas. Yeah. The Babadook. Uh, a television episode uh, called Two Twisted. And then the Nightingale. There you go. So, yeah, yeah, that's cool to see that she came out of like came out of the woodwork with the Babadook, mm -hmm. and just swung for the fences with that. And IFC is going to release this, uh, or starting August second in theaters. I don't know if it's a day and date. The article I have doesn't doesn't say, yay or nay. But oh once shit! It gets... You know who the main character is? No. So it's uh it's Ashling Francosi, who was Lyanna Stark. There you go. In uh, the two episodes of Game of Thrones in which she was, uh, in which she was featured. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even recognize the name. It looks like crazy in this one. Like really good. This is I'm very, uh, very into this. Yeah, it's and it's definitely like a a big 180 from the Babadook. It's not like uh, Kent's just like leaning back on, I mean, this isn't really a horror film at all. So it's not like she's just like, well, I did a thing that was popular. I'll keep doing the thing. Yeah. Like, no, not at all. So she's got a lot of stories to tell, which is always my top, you know, the top way I evaluate filmmakers. What kind of stories are they interested in telling? And Kent is bringing a whole plethora of different kinds of stories. Just a wrote this. Yeah. Same with Babadook. Yeah. Um, please explain to me why Eastern Europeans make the best DPs and cinematographers. I don't know. Because, like, think about it. And, and, like, the dude the dude who was the cinematographer on The Nightingale is Radek Ladchuk, who is Polish. Yeah. So, uh, also in this, uh, Damon Harriman, who is the dude who is playing Charles Manson in both Mindhunter and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Nice. Yeah. So, 
Okay, so yeah, I'm sold. It looks rad. The trailer is is killer. If you don't get it, I mean, it's, I know it's tough on a podcast, but like, man, trailer. Just watch the trailer, people out there at home, or in the gym, or in the car. Don't do it while you're driving or something, though. Yeah. That's that's dumb. Don't no no bird box challenge. This the Nightingale challenge. Watch the trailer while you're doing some stupid, dangerous shit. Oh, August second. August second is coming. Yeah, it should be pretty good. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. I mean, we got that. We got uh, Robert Eggers is coming out with um his new movie who did the witch and we have um uh ari aster who did hereditary coming out with midsummer it's gonna be an awesome year for awesome filmmakers yeah i'm really excited for the nightingale and again i'm learning of this now and have not seen the trailer so this is gonna be great but yeah it's gonna be rad i think that's gonna do us for the evening uh well us for the evening you for whatever time it is when you're listening to this Make sure you check us out at www.superliminalfilms.com. We can also be found on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram. Gonna take that moment, as I always do uh, lately here, to plug the last two weeks of July. If you're in the greater Philadelphia area, the Philadelphia Podcast Festival will be going on. So far, the big shows have been announced, um, but the smaller shows have not. We will be featuring, or it will be featuring live shows from uh, Mueller She Wrote, which is a podcast about the Mueller investigation. Uh, Risk Live, which is a podcast where uh, people tell stories they never thought they'd dare to share. Basically, it's, uh, you know, I Dare You, the podcast. And Yo, Is This Racist, which is uh, a Q&A show about, is this thing that I sent you racist? Which is actually a show I have interest in, in listening to now, because that's an interesting concept. It is, very much. <laughs> hey, panel of minorities, is this racist? Uh, so it is, I dig that. Um, so here's what I'm going to say as well. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, we will also be releasing our third season of, but is that our podcast? Stick tuned to all those social places. I told you we should be announcing what it is this week. Bye everybody. Play more games.